Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, good evening. Just wanted to share a thought on Parshas Vayigash that occurred to me uh, about Yosef, Joseph being the central character in these Parshas, Vayeshev, down to the end of Bracious. And Yosef's description is that of a dreamer, or is it? In uh, Hebrew, there's two ways of putting it. A dreamer can be a cholem, or it can be a bala chalamos. As we all know, Yosef is described as a bala chalamos, master of the dreams. What's the difference between a cholem? For example, it says paro cholem, Pharaoh was a cholem, and Yosef is a bala chalamos. I think it's a very interesting distinction because it sort of undergirds the story in these four parshas. A cholim is a, someone who has a dream. That's just like what we call a bohemian individual. He or she is just sitting there. They're not two feet on the ground. They're dreaming of all kind of fantasies, possibilities. But then they turn over in bed and go back to sleep, meaning nothing comes out of the dreams. Perhaps they'll be authors and write about it. Maybe they'll enter literature that way. That's about the extent of it. A bala cholomus, on the other hand, it's a very interesting individual. That person takes the dreams, understands them to foretell possible futures, and then conceives and executes a plan to stay ahead of the dangers foretold in the dreams, or at least take advantage of the possibilities offered in the dreams, to bring about a concrete change in reality and a betterment for all concerned. So, for example, in the story of Joseph, you always see, after he's a young Nar and is not particularly serious, but once he's sold into slavery, all of a sudden he gets pretty doggone serious, then he's always playing chess, meaning he's always thinking two, three moves ahead. And that's what's necessary to succeed in the dire straits in which he finds himself and to always emerge as master of the situation. So, for example, when he's sold into slavery and he is, uh, shall we say, attacked by Potiphar's wife, Aisha's Potiphar, what does he say? He said, what will my master do if this is allowed to take place? Meaning, he's telling her, aside from everything else, where will this lead? You're only thinking about the pleasures of the moment because that's who you are. You just live for now. I don't have any luxury like that. I always have to think two, three steps ahead. If I get involved with you, this will bring my doom. And of course he's right. It's only because he's absolutely blameless and that's self-evident that the master doesn't kill him but throws him into prison. Once he's in prison, what does he do? He always has to think two, three, four steps ahead. And that's why it says that Hashem is always with him and the owner of the master of the prison which was a political prison, by the way, just from a historical point of view, in 
ancient time, until very recently, jail was not a punishment in and of itself the way it is today. It's a very controversial issue among postmodern writers like Foucault. Uh, today, if somebody does a crime, they put them in jail two years, four years, ten years. Uh, in the ancient times, you did a crime, they whipped you, they chopped your hand off, maybe they killed you, maybe they tortured you, and then you went home. So if somebody, for example, did something the Torah says is Chai of Malchus, you got 39 lashes, you felt it on your back, and then you go home. There's no such thing as sitting in jail. Jail is not the uh, punishment itself. The only places you had jail for in pre-modern times were for political prisoners. Someone who for state purposes wants to be put out of the way or punished by being taken out of circulation, that was a prison, that was a jail. And that is precisely the case of Yosef who was put into Beis Hasurim, Makom Hasurim, the place of the political prisoners for Pharaoh, and that's why he encounters VIP and elite individuals like the butler and the baker, the Sar Mashkim and the Sar Ha'ofim. And there, too, he's always thinking two, three steps ahead because he has to. And so when he hears the dream of the butler and the baker, of course he interprets it for them, but what does he say? He says, and remember me when you get out of here. He's always thinking ahead of that. Remember me when you get out of here. And so he's a Bala Chalomas. He interpreted the dream, but then he used the dream to get himself out of jail. Now, I know it took two years, and I know that the uh, butler was a bum and didn't uh, show proper gratitude. But Lamaisa, by the time the story's all over, the butler got him out of jail. So Yosef was indeed correct in thinking that if he interprets the dream, and but he doesn't simply interpret the dream. He uses that as a lever to get the butler to remember him and get him out of jail because he'll remind him to Paro. That taka worked. And what happens when he gets admitted to the presence of the king of Egypt, a pharaoh, when he tells him the famous dream about the seven year, lean years and the seven fat years, or the other way around, as we all know, what Yosef says is, yes, there will be all these years that's coming in, but I, immediately, I have a plan how you can forestall the starvation that's approaching Egypt. It's like somebody today would say global warming is coming, but I have a, a concrete plan that is doable and workable and will save Egypt from the coming disaster. And it is the plan that he offers which blows Paro away. And he says, This man has a powerful spirit. He can uh, not only tell what the dream means, but he's got a plan to deal with it. And so Yosef, when he was hearing the dream, was already thinking, how do I turn this into something that will get me ahead? And of course it works. So each one of these dreams that he sees is not something simply that he uh, interprets, but he uses. He's a bala chalamos. And it goes beyond that in kind of piquant ways. For example, when he does finally in today's parsha bring his brothers to Egypt, he realizes full well, because he's the only Jew in Egypt, practicing Jew in Egypt, and he knows that the Egyptians don't like Jews, and he knows his brothers can be pretty obnoxious because they pushed him into a pit and tried to kill him. After all, it says they put him in a pit full of snakes and scorpions. And so he's afraid because he can see the future. He's afraid that once his brothers get into contact with the Egyptians, they'll promote anti-Semitism. It's not going to work out. And so already, when they come into Egypt, the first thing he does is make sure they live by themselves in Goshen, away from most Egyptians. And second of all, he coaches them what to say to Paro. 
He said, when you see Pharaoh, he will ask you this question, and you will answer that question, and say, you're always telling your shepherds, which is not something they do in Egypt, and basically, you're going to live in the country, but not participate in the economy, be away from everybody, and that'll work out best for all concerns. And of course, Yosef was absolutely right. As long as the Jews adhered to his far-seeing plans, and remained in Goshen, and remained shepherds, and remained by themselves, the Egyptians liked the Jews. That's what we're told in the beginning of Shamos, that uh, after the death of Yosef, when they break Yosef's rules, and Paru they move all over to Egypt. Once they move to Egypt, look, Jews can be obnoxious, and all it takes is one, <laughs> right? All it takes is one, and then they blame all the rest of the Jews on it, and I'm sure there was more than one. Once they did that, then the whole system broke down, and as we know, it ended up with the enslavement of the Jews. The Medeshrava puts it very uh, powerfully where it says, as long as Yosef was alive, it's the Medeshrava in the beginning of Shemos. As long as Yosef was alive, they practiced bris milah. After he died, they no longer did that. Nia Kamitzriam, because he said, we want to be like the Egyptians. After all, if we move out of a Jewish neighborhood like Goshen, we move among the Egyptians, we want to look like them and get accepted by them. And the Medrash says, if I remember correctly, that when that happened, God converted the positive feelings that the Egyptians had entertained towards the Jews up to that time into sin and to hatred. Why? Because the Jews made the mistake of thinking they knew how to interact with others, and if they say they're Egyptians, then the Egyptians will like it. But it's not true. They're not Egyptians. They never will be Egyptians. And they will be accepted as Egyptians. And if they tried to force themselves upon the Egyptians, they'll only provoke, they'll only provoke a counter-reaction and dislike and eventually hatred. And so the difference between Yosef on the one hand and the brothers on the other hand and their children was Yosef was a Baal HaChalomos. He had dreams, but he knew how to put these dreams into effective action and if he saw danger coming, he knew how to take steps to forestall the danger. His descendants and the other brothers and the other Jews lacked this ability. When they were in Egypt and they moved out from Goshen and they started setting up stores everywhere and getting into trouble with their customers, they didn't think, what effect is this going to have on the overall Jewish situation? And uh, the result was disastrous, as we know. This is more or less what the Chazal tell us. And you see over here how important it is whenever Jews are finding themselves in any country to adopt a Joseph policy. You have to think two, three, and four steps ahead. If we do this, then where will this lead to that? Uh, I think we're seeing a little bit of this, perhaps now in the big controversies about the New York State wanting to totally revamp the educational curricula of the yeshivas and try to reintroduce the Haskalah. <laughs> a story that happened in the 1800s where they changed the from schools into non-from ones and whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, when you're head of a school or head of an organization, you have to think very carefully how you interact with the authorities not to uh, provoke things. Anyway, that's just a thought of mine. I hope you have a good Shabbos. Bye. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, 
please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.